0: Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental Podcast. If you are new here, my name is Paris and I am the creator and host of the Master Your Mental Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here to tune in and hear my amazing guests and I describe the ways we can leverage and shift our mindsets to take the best possible care of our mental health. I launched the podcast as a way to motivate inspire empower and educate people on these interesting topics my background and passion for this all stemmed from the field of psychology after completing both my ba in psychology and my mba in healthcare administration my passion for mental health only continued to grow as a result of this i launched master your mental to bring more awareness tips and conversations to the table about these topics You guys might be wondering, what does the mental stand for? Well, it stands for mindset, engagement, nutrition, talk about it, accountability, and love yourself. These are all the building blocks that make up what Master Your Mental is all about. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on any one of my social media platforms you guys can find in the link in my bio on my Instagram at master your mental. Now let's get into the episode guys. Hello guys, and welcome to today's episode of the master your mental podcast. We are going to be getting into a topic that I have not yet gotten into. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with my guest today, who is awesome. And I'm going to be going to be bringing her to you guys in a moment. We are chatting all about mental health in midlife. And my guest is really cool because she has done so many things in her life. And you're going to hear about that in a second, but she brings so many awesome tips to the table of how to bring in more self-compassion for yourself in terms of caring for your mental health and what that journey has looked like personally for her. And you guys know that I love I'm all about those personal stories. So anyone who is willing to come to the table and share that with me and give me those insights and those lessons that they've learned that I can then turn around and give to you guys. I love doing that and I will always continue to do that because you never know the value that you can take away from listening to these episodes and tuning into this because as you all know, you know, caring for our mental health is important no matter where you are in your life how old you are, anything that any of the factors, all that stuff, because when we continue to do that and we also do it in a way that is helpful for us and not continuing to neglect our mental health or harmful or keep us in these dark and stuck places, that's what I'm all about is featuring more ways to come out of that and move more towards the light. So that's what this episode is all about today. And you guys are going to get the best tips today from my guest, and I can't wait to bring her out. And we're going to bring her out right now. So let's get into it. Got it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental Podcast. Today, we are going to be chatting all about the importance of prioritizing your mental health in midlife. I'm joined to get some awesome tips on this subject by my wonderful guest, Dr. Ellen Albertson. Dr. Ellen is a psychologist, author, wellness coach, and professionally known as the Midlife Whisperer. So, I'm so excited to have her here with us today to get into this topic and to share her experiences and her journey so far with us. So without further ado, welcome Dr. Ellen to the podcast. Yay.
1: Thank you, Paris. And my gosh, we were talking off the air and I'm so excited to share our combined wisdom and just to tell people if they're listening, like struggling with your mental health, it's okay. I think we're getting to this place where we're, we're, treating it the way we treat other illness. Like it's okay and you can get help and there's so much that you can do. So I'm really excited to share, tips for my, I think I'm probably more than twice as old as you are just sharing my wisdom, but it's great because these are like universal wisdom things that anybody can use. So it's very exciting to be here with you.
0: Yes, of course. And I'm so excited to hear about your story and just get those lessons and feature those lessons that you've learned along the way. So before we go ahead and dive on in, I'd love if you can tell us, you know, just a little bit more about you and what lights you up. Yeah,
1: so I have been, what up, I guess, is helping other people. And I have been doing that oh, since about 1993, since my late 20s, early 30s, where I was initially in the corporate world. I was on a path that was like totally the wrong path for me. And I made a big switch, went back to school to become a dietitian. That led to a really successful career in the media for a number of years. So I was a celebrity chef, which was um, really fun. And then um, I went back and I became a personal fitness trainer because I have always been a jock and loved to work out and wanted to get in the gym. I don't like you know, being in a hospital as a clinical dietitian. I wanted to be in the gym and work with people, although I had a bit of, uh, a, bit of a run-in with exercise addiction because that was kind of one of the ways that I you know, tried to care for myself. Um, But while while becoming a trainer, I discovered coaching. And so I enrolled in well coaches, coaching uh, school, and that led me to becoming a PhD psychologist. And during that time, I discovered self-compassion. I was fortunate enough to study and be mentored with Kristin Neff, who is the sort of lead researcher, pioneer in this area of self-compassion and actually did research on self-compassion and body image in women and self-compassion just completely turned my life around in the most wonderful way just kind of went from beating myself up self-loathing being super hard on myself to loving myself and accepting myself you know flaws and all and now um, i'm kind of rebranding myself i've been the midlife midlife whisperer for the last couple of years I work primarily with women in their forties, fifties, and even sixties, just um, helping them to create an amazing new chapter. I feel like midlife, you know, gets a bad rap and I'm here to kind of rebrand midlife. Like you're not, some some women are on their path and they stay on their path for their lives. But a lot of us, myself included, kind of can get off our path. And then we go through midlife and we're like, wait a minute, this is not the right path. I'm like climbing up this ladder of success but it's up against the wrong building. So midlife is this great time to be like, okay, I need to reevaluate and change my trajectory, which is what I did. And it's what my new book's all about. So I work with women at midlife. I have a new book coming out at the same time as you, I guess we both mid-November, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. So excited to get into, yeah, what we all can do to transform. Yes.
0: Oh, I love that so much. And I just love how you're giving, you know, talking about midlife and how it has a reputation, you know, like not the best. You know, being out there about it, and you're trying to make it more positive and more impactful for people, and to do that. So, I think that's so amazing and so incredible just to kind of hear your journey so far and like all of the things that you've done, and going from being a dietitian, celebrity chef, fitness, psychologist, all of these things that you've done. So, I would love to ask you, you know, like from doing all those things, like, is there like where what is the most powerful lesson that you've learned? from all of those careers? That's such a great question. Um, you know, I would
1: really say it's a cross between being authentic, Mm -hmm. which is my first step is knowing yourself and being your true self, not showing up with masks because that's where your confidence comes from. That's where you, you can't create an amazing next chapter or wherever you are. You can't create a life that is in alignment with you and your soul, unless you truly know yourself. So knowing yourself and being authentic, and I would say tied with that is really the self-compassion piece. And they go hand in hand because when you love yourself, when you practice self-compassion, you stop doing things that insult your soul. So you get out of those relationships that aren't working, you get out of the you know, the dead-end job, the way you're treating your body, all of the things that are not in your highest interest, your best interest, you start making those shifts. So definitely being authentic and loving yourself are the top two. Wow.
0: I love, I love how you talk about that, that whole perspective there of going from, you know, being in these relationships, right. Or these environments that are hurting us. And sometimes we don't have an awareness of that, but then when we start to have, you know, that self-compassion come in and learn these lessons of how to pour more into ourselves. And it really is incredible when you look back on your life and your experiences and being like, wow, like, how did I spend so long in these situations that were just sucking the life out of me and completely exhausting me. And just, it was like a cycle. It's like you stay in it and then you feel like you have to. And I would love to ask, you know, if you've ever experienced that yourself, what has been the most helpful for you? And in terms of having that self-compassion for getting out of those situations and getting into the place, place that you are now. That's such a good question. I mean, I think it goes back
1: to that, you know, Carl Rogers that, Mm -hmm. you know, when I accept myself where I am exactly as I am, then I can change. So first is that acceptance piece. And the piece of that with self-compassion is sort of the forgiveness piece. So like you stop beating yourself up. I mean, even, you know, I have to joke last week, I was supposed to show up for your podcast and I, my, my computer was all over the map, Mercury was retrograde, it didn't yeah. happen. And instead of being like, oh my God, what an idiot. I was like, you know, it happens. We have such mm-hmm. complicated lives, computers screw up, it's very difficult. But instead of being like, why do I keep doing the same thing? It's like, okay, made a mistake. I'm upgrading my computer, my system, getting more careful as I'm lining up my ducks for my book launch and lots of things happening. But first is just like, you got to forgive yourself because what happens is if you keep beating yourself up, if you stay in that self-loathing, worrying, ruminating, all of that negativity stuff, it's like having this backpack that's, Filled with a pile of crap, and and you bring that crap into your future. So whatever you're vibing with, I mean, we are energetic beings. Um, not to get all woo woo on you, but you know, I've got more degrees in the thermometer, but I'm also very <laughs> interested in spirituality and energy work. I'm a Reiki master, and so you know, you've got to change your energetic vibration. You've got to like catch yourself when you notice you're ruminating, you're worrying, you're beating yourself up, you keep repeating the same things and you got to like take a pause, forgive yourself and just say, "You know what? I don't want that to be my future like for myself. I was in a marriage for 24 years where there was a lot of criticism, it was a it was a heavy place. I wasn't happy. I was scared to leave, but I made the decision that I wanted a different trajectory." It took me a couple of years to get myself straightened out and meet an amazing partner. And now I have someone who is, vibes with me in a completely new way, but you've got to kind of forgive yourself, accept yourself where you are and start making these shifts to attract something different in your life, because it's really an inside out world. I don't know if you found in your, you know, your experience and my experience too, like with depression, noticing you're like, gosh, I don't feel good right now okay, what is it that I need? And that's that self-compassion piece of pausing, noticing, being self-aware and then saying, you know, what do I need right now to be there for myself? And then also what do I need to do to move forward with a different, um, in a different direction in a different way?
0: That's so beautiful. And I love love how you talk about forgiveness. I love how you brought that in because- you know, it's almost like we aren't taught how to do that. You know, we aren't taught, you know, in school or anywhere of, you know, here's how to do this. Here's how to get from A to Z. And this is what you do, right? Go just follow this and you're good. You know, it's like teaching yourself that. And like you said, having that self-compassion and also teaching yourself that of how to love yourself in these hard moments to help yourself move forward. Cause something that I found And I know you've probably found as well, you know, when you're in those moments where you are feeling very low and down and depressed and in that dark space, it almost seems easier to stay there because it becomes familiar and you don't. you're you're almost like scared to come out of it and move towards the light because you've become comfortable in that and you don't exactly know how to do it and you don't believe that you can do it. So it's, and I think one of the good things that you kind of touched on as well is how you speak to yourself, right? Um, that's a big one. So I'd love to kind of get your take on your take on that. Like how, how do you think that the role of self-talk plays in this?
1: Yeah, that's such a great point. And your point too, about the fear piece, your brain isn't interested in you being happy. Your brain's only interested in you being safe. So even though, you know, you're depressed, it's like, I have a lot of clients, you sort of describe it as wearing a bear rug in are It's, they're comfortably uncomfortable. So where the self-talk comes in is, you know, your thoughts, create your emotions and the two together create your reality. So when I think about like law of attraction, the thoughts are like your blueprint. So if I have this thought, like my life sucks, I hate my life. Nothing's working for me. Why is my life so difficult? You know, people would rather be right than happy. So that's what you're attracting. Your thoughts are creating the scaffolding of my life really stinks. And just again, getting away even from the woo Barbara Fredrickson talks about the the broaden and build theory, which talks about your emotions your thoughts are also creating these emotions, the emotions are the energy that you're attracting it so if you have these all of these negative thoughts well that's what you're looking for and that's what you're seeing. And so those are the opportunities that you're noticing if you wake up and you're like, Oh, my life is great. I really, you know, I'm moving in the right direction. I love my life. I've, you know, got so many things to be grateful for. Gratitude is a great way to kind of get to a neutral and then get to a higher place. Well, that's what shows up for you. So that's one of the key things I talk about, you know, in my book is if you want to get unstuck, you've got to change the self-talk. You've got to change your mindset. And, you know, part of that is um, developing a self-compassionate voice. So we've got this voice of self-criticism. And that voice of self, the self-critic is really the internalized voice of early caregivers who tell us, you know, clean your room, get good grades, you know, finish your plate, but be skinny at the same time, especially if you're a girl or woman, right? These, and we internalize those voices because if we don't listen to our caregivers, what happens? Exactly. we're We're not loved. We're not safe. So then we get to be adults We've got all these tapes. I need to do this. I should do this. I need to do that. That keeps playing and it keeps us very stuck. Now the voice of self-compassion says, you know, I love you. I know this is hard. You can change. You can do it. It's that sort of inner cheerleader that, you know, spurs you on to accomplish more in your life. And what's so amazing about self-compassion is when you look at the research, Um, The research, and there's like 3000 articles, you know, research papers on self-compassion. It shows that it decreases depression, stress, and anxiety. So the low end gets better, but the high end well-being, resiliency, you know, happiness, all of that good stuff also grows because it's like you have a parachute and a life vest. So you've got this, you know, life vest when you feel like you're sinking to be like, oh my God, Ellen, it's okay, you'll get through this. And this parachute that says, okay, Soar higher, you can do this and you know what? And if you don't, it's just a stepping stone on the road to success. So you start to look at failure, you know, as a way of succeeding and you know, you're an author too, so you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, um, I was just joking with an author friend of mine saying, oh my God, I need an epidural to like <laughs> birth this book because it's so friggin' hard to yeah. do it. But it's it's an amazing practice. And the super cool thing about self-compassion is that it's like a muscle. Anybody can learn it, you can grow it, you can get stronger. It's like you go to the self-compassion gym and a moment of it, as Chris Germer says, will change the, your day and a string of those moments will change your life.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And that comparison that you just gave at the end there of self-compassion, almost like a muscle, right? Like a muscle you can work out when you think of going to the gym and you know going on your favorite machine and working on your legs or whatever you're doing, You know, growing that muscle of self-compassion within yourself so that way, when we find ourselves in these situations, you know, we're more able to know, to know what to do, how to ha- how to handle them, how to come out of it and how to pour into ourselves. Cause it's definitely so helpful to have that because, you know, when you catch yourself in those moments, it is, you know, like we said, can be like a slope of going, continuing to go down and sitting in that. But I think it's important too to really you know, like everyone says, feel your feelings, right. You know, be in that moment and experience that and really listen to the root of that. You know, where is this coming from? Where do I think this is stemming from, um, these feelings and emotions that I'm having. But one thing I'd really love to ask you about is the lessons and the inspiration behind your book. So I'd love to talk about that.
1: Yeah. Just to, just to what we said about feelings. Yes are listening, feel all your feelings. You know, we mm-hmm. often put them in boxes, like it's okay to feel, you know, joy and gratitude and, you know, appreciation, and we shouldn't be angry and frustrated and sad. But what happens is, first of all, all your emotions are productive. They're all like a GPS device that's telling you, you know, what you need to know, but when we push down the difficult ones and say, those aren't okay. That's where the depression really arises. So all your feelings are useful and we need to learn how to work more productively with our feelings. So in terms of inspiration for the book, a couple of things. So first of all, I've always wanted to be a writer. Like when I was five years old and you're sitting on those, you know, those little carpet squares with your lame and Sharpie, the teacher would go around and be like, so what do you want to be when you wake? You grow up? And I was like, I want to be a writer. And I didn't know why, but I wrote my first story, The Magic Radish, when I was like five and I always wanted to be a writer. So writing is something in my wheelhouse. It's really hard work, but I'm sure you're a writer as well. Well, it's like when you see the finished <laughs> project, I'm reading over my book for the millionth time today, looking for last minute <laughs> things. I'm like, wow, it feels so good to mm-hmm. share that. So, combination of I love writing and sharing my writing. Um, I have a great personal story of how I transformed my own life. I have dozens of stories. I've worked with hundreds of women at midlife at this point, and I love this period of life. And I'm really wanting to change the conversation around midlife and really get people to see it as this amazing time that we haven't really explored. It's sort of, again, we mix it with you know crisis. So I want to change the way we view midlife. I want to help more women. I can only coach so many people. And so I feel like with this book, um, you know, I can literally help millions of women. And I feel like Women need a template for this time period. You know, we don't know what to do. And it is a really, um, it's very much caterpillar to butterfly. And especially when you go through menopause, you're far away from there right now. But when you go through that period, there's a lot of changes that happen to you physiologically, changes happening around you, particularly if you have children, you're looking at an empty nest, or maybe you've got aging parents, you're revaluing your career, your relationships. And Women really need, men too, but that's not my area of expertise, really need um, a blueprint. And that's what this book is all about. So it's kind of, yeah, I I wanted to write and get it out there, but I really want to help so many women and just change the way our society views midlife.
0: Wow. Well, you did it. That's incredible. You did it. And it's almost, it's almost here. And you guys, you just showed me the cover and it looks amazing. I love, love that pop of pink. I love that. And I love, I love the messages that you put inside that story. And, you know, especially being able to, to relate that to your own experiences and really include those stories, as well as the stories of the women that you've helped personally and worked with and seen that progress in them and seen that progression in them from going, um, you know, from a place of, you know, where they are, very stressed out, overwhelmed, unsure of what to do, not really sure what the next step is or what it even looks, what looks like at all. And, you know, being able to have that as a tool where people can access that and pick that up and read this and say, wow, like this is something that's worked for this person. This could potentially help me, or this could potentially help someone that I know. So I love that. And I think that, you know, writing is such a gift, especially, you know, being able to include your own experiences and just take that mess that you lived through for so long and turn it into a powerful message for others to pull lessons from. And because I think it's just so valuable, because I know, you know, whenever I read something, I take something away from everything, you know, because I feel everyone has a story. We all have a story inside of us. And many of us have so many stories inside of us that can help so many different people. So I think that's so cool that you may it happen and you're putting it out there and you're touching all these lives in that way because people need this, you know, need guidance in this area and need that support. So I love that. And you know, one thing I'd also love to ask you too, um, related to this too, is you know, in the work that you've done with women with with their mental health, like what has been the most fundamental piece that, that you've learned in training that you've received to be able to help people overcome dark moments? That's
1: such a good question. Um, so it really, I think that fits that inside out approach that mm-hmm. people have the answers. And that's what I love about being a coach. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I am you know, a very well-trained coach. And so when you're coaching, it's this beautiful ability to look at someone, work with them, know the right questions, know how to listen deeply with compassion, and you know know that they have the answers. So if you're listening and you're feeling lost and you don't know what to do next, you have the answers. you know, you can figure it out. And so that's I think my my message is that yeah, there are um, so many tools out there and different things work well for different people, but you can do it. and I think the biggest piece of that is, not going from this place of I'm broken, how do I fix myself, but coming from this place of this is where I want to be. This is who I want to be. This is what I want to do. Even writing it down, writing your goals down. What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to be? Or even just for me, I do this thing called destination vibration with my clients where, and I did this myself, not so much the specifics of your vision. If you don't know what that is, how do you want to feel? So if you're thinking, listening right now, think about when was a time in your life that you were just, the way you want to feel, joyful, happy, creative, exuberant, whatever that positive emotion is, and think about that time, visualize it, experience it with all your, uh, all your senses, feeling all of those emotions, and that energy will really uh, draw you in your present reality towards that feeling. Like with me, I was really vibing on, I love to dance. So I've been a dancer since I was five, Dancing is kind of a metaphor for me when I feel good um, and I'm happy and joyful, I feel like dancing. So I remembered like when I was a little kid dancing, when I was in my um, 20s, like doing belly dancing along the Charles River in Cambridge and visualize all this dance. And I just attracted this incredible life that really vibed with that joyful, exuberant energy that I associate with dancing. So again, I guess long-winded way of saying, decide how you want to feel. Remember a time in your life that you felt that way and visualize the heck out of it.
0: Yes. That's so important. And I love how you bring dance into that, you know, of having these things that we can do, right. And that's, you can get up right now and start doing a dance and all that, because when I think about it, you know, I don't think I've seen, seen people dancing who are not smiling and are not looking happy, you know, cause it's kind of hard. It's like, how do you do dance and get into this little zone and you're, and you're, and you're not, you're not smiling. And, but that's, that's so true. What you said is finding these things that bring us joy and getting more of that into our lives and being more consistent with that and having more of that, because, I know, I know for me, that's really helped me of doing more of those things, you know, like getting outside, you know, moving your body, going on a walk, you know, doing a meditation, calling a friend, you know, writing a letter to you. There's so many things. And that's the beautiful thing is there's so many things that we probably don't even know about that we're going to stumble upon. And be like, wow, this, this really helps me when I'm feeling a certain way. And this really helps me come out of this and learn about myself and learn about discovering the value that I have as a person and an individual. So I love that you said that. And all those tips that you brought up right there were so good. And the one thing I'd love to ask you, I always love to ask everyone this question because you always get a different response and a different answer, but it's always so cool to see what everyone says. So Ellen, what are you currently doing? in this moment to master your mental? Ah, such a good question. Um, I would say the biggest things for me
1: is spending time in nature. Like I am so blessed as I talk about in my book, Rock Your Midlife. I live, I'm, I live between surf and turf. So to the... Um, South of me is Lake Champlain, so I literally I live in a a really cool little romantic island, Um, and then on the other side is uh, a dairy barn. So I've got Mm. like this very Vermonty dairy barn feel, and then I've got this lake, and we have foxes and deer and geese. And the other day I heard owls and loons, and then you start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm part of the natural world. I see you are surrounded by plants. I just got some new plants (laughs) for my office, and it's just so you know, it just dissolves your ego your you know, ego can make us really miserable The self-referral thing, especially if you're you know want to be an you know you're an author and you're putting yourself out there and you want to be bigger and more famous but then you just get out in nature and you're just like wow i'm just like a part we forget yeah. that we are in these bodies and those are natural things so i think my um, being in nature um and i think um you know moving my body we didn't talk too much about embodied presence but emotions are felt experiences in the body. So just enjoying being in my body. Um, I eat an incredible diet. I'm so blessed that my um, fiance is a master gardener. So literally going back and yeah, (laughs) pick my kale every day. And we've got, you know, squash and tomatoes and eggplant and it's, it's incredible. The freezer's full of things for the winter. We can, we dry, we do all that. So I would say just yeah. Taking care of my body, being out in nature, eating amazing food, moving my body every day. I mean, there is so much that you can do to
0: master your mental health. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. I love how you relate all that too, of, you know, taking care of your mental health with taking care of your physical body. Right. Cause we all know, you know, that that relationship there of how we care for ourselves physically and how that can impact, or, you know, uh, make it harder to, you know, care for ourselves mentally when we're not doing those things. So I love that you talk about that and bring up moving your body, you know, eating the rainbow and all those awesome vegetables that you guys have in the garden and just getting outside and getting in nature and just getting out, get some fresh air and just, doing that. So it's so important and I love it. And Ellen, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. This was so much fun. I loved being able to feature some of your story and some of the lessons that you have learned along the way. And just the incredible tips that you brought to the table for rocking your midlife and getting the best out of caring for your mental health, your physical body, and being able to step out of that place and into a brighter place that we're all, you know, aiming to get to and working towards and pouring into. So I just want to thank you for, you know, making the time to come out here on Master Your Mental and share this with us. It was so much fun.
1: Thank you, Paris. It's a joy to be here with you. And I can't wait to read your story. And you're so courageous to come out and share. And you are an amazing host. So thank you. It was really a pleasure.
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah. And I can't wait till this episode comes out and for all you guys to get to tune in and hear more about Ellen and her story. So on that note, I'm going to end it there and say bye to you guys. And whether you're, you're listening during the daytime or the nighttime, I hope that it's a great one for you guys. And I'm going to say bye to Ellen as well. So bye, Ellen. All right, guys, that was the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to become a guest or share your thoughts, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email at hello at masteringmental.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram at Master Your Mental, where you can also find a link in my bio that you can use to find me on all of my other social media platforms. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day. And thank you so much for listening to the Master Your Mental podcast. Have a good one, guys. Bye.